Welcome to Shared Ground, where we meet to explore the lands and forests of eastern Canada, Mi'kma'ki, and our relationships to the rest of nature on the unceded and ancestral lands of the Mi'kmaq people. We talk about ecology, conservation, forestry, and many interconnected issues. One of the main purposes of this podcast is to hear opinions and ideas from many different people. Nothing presented here is intended as the final word. Each perspective will hopefully lead to a better understanding of a bigger picture. I am Amanda Bostland, and I am in search of ideas, practices, and attitudes that offer mutual benefit for humans and all species for whom these lands are home. Anita and Sam, um, I'm glad to have a chance to talk to you. I know you're playing tonight at 9 o'clock at the mm-hmm. Soup Stock Festival. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm just curious why you're here and why you're excited about this uh, festival or these issues. Of course. Yeah, of oh. course. So I'm Sam Boer. And my name is Anita Cazola. And we're uh, folk musicians uh, and artists who are excited to be at Soustock for a number of reasons. Mm-hmm. I think the, the main reason is we've seen all the work that Save Our Old Forest has been doing over the past year, as long as we've been in Nova Scotia. We're mm-hmm. relatively new, and it's been really inspiring to see their grassroots efforts. I mean, they put together this festival in only a matter of months, which is months, absolutely yeah. <laughs> incredible. It shows how yeah. dedicated their volunteers are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think as, as artists in the community, there's there's so many things that we can do to support and one of them is showing up for things like this where where music or art or whatever is is needed and um i think a lot about everyone's roles in climate activism and i feel like everyone has a specific role that they can play not everyone can be the like loud you know, protester, you know, there has to be so many different roles to fill. And tonight we're filling the role of softening and inspiring people, which is, yeah, just as important as all the other stuff. And it just, it's really lovely to be able to gather with people doing all kinds of different work in the community um, and and do our part and learn about other things that we can also do to mm-hmm. continue support. Oh, yeah, I love that. The one other thing I'll say is that there's no better way to meet people than at a festival mm-hmm. <laughs> when there's music around. So just the opportunity for people here, like ourselves, to meet folks we don't know in the community who care about these issues mm-hmm. is enormously powerful. Mm-hmm. Oh, Grateful yeah. for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You'll hear some of Anita Cazola's and Sam Boer's music in the background a little later on. During this special Soofstock episode, you'll hear from many people who were involved in this August festival in West Dalhousie, from musicians to volunteers. There were, of course, lots of amazing people and music that I didn't record and share here. I've chosen the folk genre for this episode, but the fantastic music at Soofstock ranged from rock to blues to sea shanties. I bet that many of you are already familiar with Nina Newington, but I'm bringing in her name now because she is a key person in the efforts to protect the forests and to find solutions to our interconnected, current challenges. Many people I talked with refer to her, and so I wanted to give that brief intro. And I'd like to refresh our memories about the Save Our Old Forests campaign. 
It's about getting the government to follow through on its legal commitment to protecting 20% of Nova Scotia's lands and waters by 2030, and to put a stop to all cutting and road building in forests over 80 years old on Crown land until the 20% has been protected. So now, whether you attended the festival or are just hearing about it now for the first time, I welcome you to step into a shared ground experience of Soothstock 2023. Hello! Hi, Hi. welcome to Soothstock. Oh, thanks so much. Thanks for coming. Um, are you staying the night or? Uh, I'll be here all weekend. All weekend, that's great. Yes. Uh, with lots of good lineup of uh, musicians. Yeah. We're just signing you in here and then inside is the Souf stock table. You can have a good time. Thank here you, you so much. Here you get a wonderful green wristband. So can you tell me anything about, uh, so the music is starting at seven and there's music Correct. all through the tonight. Right. Okay. Tonight there's going to be bands playing seven until at least midnight seems like a great lineup of all sorts of bands and got a lot of good music there's a lot there's everything oh, um, yeah yeah so there's and it's be beautiful setting stuff. it's out in the country it's just very relaxing out here i just came in yeah. from i guess the direction probably people from, coming from the city or from the south shore would be coming south so shore, yeah. you're driving along mm. a, a dirt road for quite a while yeah, and you don't see any yeah. houses or anything and then suddenly yeah. this community hall appears yeah. And we have our yeah, tents yeah. pitched, a bunch of us. We're going to stay. We're going to brave the weather. Tonight yeah. shouldn't be too bad. Tomorrow could be questionable. Yeah, so but they're expecting 40 to 50 millimeters, yeah, I saw last. Yeah. So well, it's quite amazing that uh, everyone was just able to manage yeah. to seems, switch around and, and yeah. host this in, and the, in the rainstorm. And we moved inside, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah so I live with one of the organizers. Yes, one of those <laughs> kind, oh. of a, kind of a stressful uh, moment when they decided they were going to move inside, but they very quickly brought it around yeah, yeah so it could even be a better event being inside maybe like the 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 um, stage is much better the it's sound is going to be better more intimate more intimate, more intimate. Well. yeah yeah and, it's and be okay. okay lots well, of good food I see you have someone else arriving yes uh, <laughs> i'll see you later client, okay. thanks so much thank you <laughs> all of these forests don't really belong to us by law Forests on Crown land belong to people, the people of Nova Scotia. But, like the rest of Mi'kma'ki, Crown land is the unceded and ancestral territory of the Mi'kmaq people. Mi'kmaq culture, forests and trees are seen not as resources to be owned, but as relations. Forests belong to the two-legged and four-legged, the winged ones, the swimmers and crawlers. My name is Lawrence Powell. Uh, my connection with all this is that I've written news stories about environmental issues. And I live nearby and I'm the only one they could get. <laughs> so, without any other further ado or jokes, the greatest quote of all time, if you want to stop war and stuff, you got to sing loud. Arlo Guthrie. So here is Cuckoo Moon, and they're going to sing loud. Thanks, Larry. Falls across the river. 
I'm going to perform a little radio magic here so we can continue to hear Cuckoo Moon in the background while I speak with one of the musicians from the band. Well, my name is Kate McGinnis-Adams, and I live on the North Mountain near the community of Harborville, but inland from that. And so we live in a place that is completely surrounded by forests and uh, hundreds of acres of forests. And we are protecting a 250-acre um, clear-cut, recovering clear-cut, from glyphosate spray because this property was cut in 2018, so it has a lot of recovering hardwoods on it that obviously are going to be killed by this glyphosate spray. But we're really hoping that with this uh, year of protecting it, we will keep it from being sprayed and then it will the trees are going to be too big to be uh, effectively sprayed with glyphosate. This is our hope. Every year we have a hope <laughs> of how it's all going to unfold. And of course, every year we hope that we can just stop the spray. I mean, we're not just interested in, you know, not in my backyard, but this is one piece of the forest on the North Mountain that we can protect. And we, we basically, uh, in camp, we uh, have had, um, well, this will be a third year of having wonderful um, camaraderie with the community. Uh, people are very engaged and involved and really invested in not wanting that, you know, the glyphosate spray to happen. We're not against yeah. forestry. We are, we have a community of ecologically um, thoughtful people who who manage forests in a way that they believe is the best and most ecological manner and have been celebrated, you know, provincially actually, uh, for, for the woodlots. To me, the, the idea of killing this recovering forest with the incredible ecosystem that has built back after the clear cut, it breaks my heart. It really does. I mean, I look over there every day. I look over and I see it and I, and, and I think, how can, how can we do this? and feel okay about it. We just, we can't, we can't. Mm -hmm. And it, 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 it is something that is just incredibly important to me and to my community. And so we will continue to do it. We're just gonna continue to do it until we can't do it anymore. And hopefully we're gonna make a small difference. And I am inspired by all the people here at this festival and in the Save Our Old Forest, the people you know, that are engaged in this fight because we're all fighting. We're all fighting for what we believe to be the future of our forests, what we believe, what we hope for. And it's the people inside of SUF that have inspired me. I mean, I've gone off on a few things, um, you know, encampments down in this area, actually, to save land from, from cutting and uh, in the middle of winter. <laughs> which was which was really quite interesting and um, joyful actually is this to be last hope camp we're yeah, the, yeah yeah we are at the last hope oh, camp and uh, with my sister and and Nina you know the whole crowd and um, you know I'm feeling like wow we have one month we can camp out if you can camp out in January in the middle of you know with that encampment I think wow camping out in the fall is actually quite lovely oh, and yeah. And we, we, you know, there are joyful times in it. Kathy and I have sat around and played music mm -hmm. and, and all the neighbors come and visit the camp. And, 
and also sit in the camp while, well, I always say I'd rather be making pickles than sitting at the camp. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, come on, you guys. Think about the lives that are being interrupted by, you know, what, by this practice that we're trying to stop. You know, because we do, we stop our lives. We just have to. Yeah, and the more people that stop their lives, the less people that have to stop them for as long, I suppose. So we're in this all together. Hopefully more and more people are becoming part of it. So let's hear it for Nina and Sam. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's so nice to be here at Soupstock! This is such a sweet thing. You've been having a great night. What about the amazing first two acts you've gotten to hear tonight? Can we just give it up for them? All right, now I'm here with Jane, and uh, she's one of the volunteers here this weekend. And Jane, I was just curious if you could tell us a bit about why, why you've come or why this is important to you. Well, I grew up being taught to leave no footprint. We've been, uh, came from a family of farmers and campers and forest protectors. And I'm alarmed at the state of the world, the state of the province with regards to forestry and got involved with a few of the good souls here with regards to the no spray and support that. And uh, definitely interested in saving whatever is left of the old growth forest in Nova Scotia. And just trying to be proactive about the state of the climate instead of being overwhelmed by the state of things. So here I am listening to some music. Are Thank you having you. a fun time? I'm having a great time. <laughs> My name is Amanda Suteri and I'm an artist based in Hampton, Nova Scotia. And she's here with a vendor's booth. And can you tell us, Amanda, a little bit about what uh, what you're selling today or what you're providing? Yes, um, I sell my fine art prints and cards, and I have a few other products like bags and journals um, of my work printed on it. And I also am doing live portraits today by donation to Souf. Wonderful, and on FSC. Yes, paper on FSA certified paper, exactly, okay. yes. Um, and what is inspiring you to donate to the SUF efforts? Yeah, um, well, a few years ago, my partner and I bought a clear-cut block of land that we wanted to facilitate its restoration. When we were living in BC, we were looking for land to buy, and it just seemed like it was all about buy, people buying land and then building on it so making the land virgin beautiful forested land and then cutting down a few trees for their view and i just didn't want to participate in that we wanted to buy a piece of land and actually make it better and have that be part of our legacy mm-hmm. and you know we see clear cutting happen all across the province and we can just do so much better there's sustainable forestry, regenerative forestry actually produces more wood in the long term, is more economically viable in the longer term. There's just no reason why we shouldn't be rethinking how we are doing forestry in the province and in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And that's an inspiring model to try to um, help restore the land instead of further degrade land. And hopefully more people are considering that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, especially when 
you know, healthy forests. It's it's not just about having like a better model of forestry because it's not about that we don't want to cut down trees, but how do we for harvest them in a way that's responsible? But also, what do, what value do forests add besides just to our own mental health and emotional support or biodiversity, but also the services that forests provide, like filtering water and holding water in the land rather than having flooding or, you know, and especially in a time of climate change, that there's um, a lot of resiliency that's held in, in healthy forests. With ecological accounting, they call it like nature's utilities mm. and when they're gone we notice them because then we're having to either pay for them in mitigation or uh, you know cleanup efforts or and so when they are there then we're actually saving money in ways that we may not realize we just got the announcement from the Ministry of Environment of the sites that are going to be sprayed this year and so hopefully we can help to continue to raise public awareness about it um, and yeah we're gonna I guess help to do what we can to make it um, illegal <laughs> or at least get a moratorium on it until we better understand what the co the costs of it are as mm. opposed to the benefits right Anything else you wanted to add about about the festival, or? Well, it's been really great to see and meet people. Uh, you know, it's too bad that the weather forced us inside, but yeah, I'm really happy that the people that are here that showed up and that it's an actually having it be a bit more of an intimate time because I think less people have come due to the rain. But there, there's an opportunity for more intimate conversations and relationship building happening and I think for any movement relationship building is so important it, it happens over meals and um, just much more casual conversations as opposed to just like always being together and doing doing like taking action but there has to be some downtime where relationships get built mm -hmm. yeah that's a really good point I appreciate that reframing because it's easy to be disappointed that there probably would have been a lot more people here I bet if the rain hadn't yeah, thanks for bringing that perspective in. Thank you. Yeah, very nice to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you too. Next, we're going to leave the hall for a bit and joyfully head out into the rainy weather. Part of the Annapolis County SUF initiative is to make sure that a particular area known as Goldsmith Lake is protected. This is an area that is rich in biodiversity with two patches of old growth forest. Since the documentation of 16 species at risk occurrences by citizen scientists, DNRR has placed a hold on their harvest plans, and the SUF folks want that area protected permanently. On the second day of SUF stock, there was a group walk arranged to visit this area with Donna Crossland and Bob Bancroft. I'll share just a short compilation of the audio from that adventure, as the rain is quite loud. And though the rain was certainly heavy, it was really neat to experience the shelter that the older forest offered us. You know, the wildlife need this for protection. So I, I thought I'd do a first stop at a species that is in danger of disappearing from the province. One of my favorite deciduous trees. Most of you know what it is, I'm sure. 
the beach manager and yeah, beach it's beach. Yeah. yeah. So it's one of the <laughs> one of the Acadian forest or Wabanagi Acadian forest species that's long lived. It has the most nutritious, delicious, oiliest nuts in the forest. Well, there's a lot to say about this tree. It is another birch, and of course we do know it escaped a cut or two. It's it's not perfect. There's a gentleman who's a hardwood expert, and he'll tell you how to grow perfect hardwoods, and that's what he thinks the industry wants, and that's all he's interested in. And and uh, the fact that it's not a perfect tree means it's it's got opportunities for wildlife. Like you, classically, that is a porcupine hill, as as one of you said, and of course it's a, it's got a massive root system. When something breaks off in the top, there's, or there's holes that, and, and, and the rock can be inside, but then animals like the woodpeckers do a really good job of getting in there uh, to, to mine out the insects that are they're able to take advantage of the rotten wood. And, and, uh, and you wind up with flying squirrels um, that, that inhabit something like this and then in the nighttime. And flying squirrels are a good example for, of, 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 uh, of a species that they eat the fungi that's all around here. When there's a fungus among us, there are usually flying squirrels too. <laughs> um, I find this out by finding tails. Uh, what happens is the owls go after the flying squirrel, but the flying squirrels actually wind up eating the fungi and then gliding here and there throughout the forest, and they spread the fungi. And if you've read any of the books that have come out recently, uh, there's been an awful lot of work done out west. Oh, see that? That's close. Right here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just what over a bird at his head, right oh. through. Yeah, just above your head. It's like yeah. Well, this is their habitat, and yeah. we're we're invading. Yes. Um. Anyway, they spread the fungi. The squirrels eat the eat the mush, mushrooms, and they spread the fungi throughout the forest. And Suzanne Samard is the one who came up with in the BC, and it works elsewhere that there's a whole connection here underground with roots of different species, even helping trees helping each other. And, and the fungi are essential to, they actually do an exchange of sugars. They, they get what they need from the trees. The easiest way to say it, they get what they need from the trees <coughs> and the trees provide what they need to survive as fungi. So there's this <coughs> basically symbiotic relationship where, where everybody's doing something for each other and we all get along. And once you clear cut, the soil dries up, the fungi die. Usually the exposure and the sunlight means that the, this dryness that didn't here is, exist before under the canopy. And then the rains just wash everything down to the lake. So Suzanne Seymour went from calling trees like this, she would have called hub trees in her earlier research, meaning that uh, the fungal network under our feet um, is all connected to this hub. And yeah. then it emanates out and it's all interconnected. So she may be sending sugars and nutrients over to some other tree and maybe not even her own species which is incredible to think about mm -hmm. and then she started she still i think on occasion calls them pub trees but now she's mother, adopted mother the term tree. mother tree and i think it's of such comfort when you come into the forest and you think of these being our elders or our mothers this tree is probably 180 to maybe 350 years old who's to say because and Nina and I were just out in, in part of this proposed Goldsmith Lake wilderness area just last week. And um, I had a, <laughs> a few, um, quite a few tense moments trying to age a yellow birch and couldn't get the increment bore back out because they tend to be, they tend to have heart rot in the middle. But, and even with the heart rot though, a tree can live for 
you know, a couple hundred years or, you know, the only living part of this tree other than the foliage is the cambio layer, which is just under the bark. And that's the layer that keeps dividing and making bark and making heartwood. But the heartwood's essentially, it's just, it's dead um, cellulose material. And uh, of course, we're grateful for what it builds, these incredible trees built all out of Built out of what? This tree is built out of excess greenhouse gas, <laughs> carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. The leaves do the magic. They split the carbon out of carbon dioxide. They take the carbon molecule and they incorporate it into the tissue of the tree. That's amazing. And so, you know, this is, this is how we mitigate climate change by keeping forests like this intact and operating and photosynthesizing they're the vacuums <laughs> how you know those and, and the oceans and there's wetlands as well yes and a little frog so there's a whole little ecosystem going on here right under the tree right and then you see these little tiny mushrooms that i have no idea what they are but we could you could spend a lifetime learning the complexities of our own forest the other thing i notice often with old growth a truly old tree is that it feels like you got to have a step ladder to get up to them like it feels like you're on the stairway to <laughs> have it so you see how this is going up yeah. that's often the case i know when i'm working with my hemlock is that i'm going up to, to so if i have to measure the diameter of this tree uh, you know it, it feels like you gotta you gotta work to get up to the base of the tree and it's very humbling i always feel humble when that happens so there's a opportunities here for all kinds of animals uh, it depends on how the tree breaks up, but if you look around, you'll see trees that have crotches in it. And if you're a raptor, a, a hawk or an owl or something, uh, and, and you need a, a, a place to build a big nest, you've got to have at least three limbs, usually, to build something on. And and that's where a trees that are misshapen, and don't just grow and branch and then grow and branch, trees that are misshapen become wildlife trees very easily. So I wound up write, helping to write manuals where they call them wolf trees, ones that start all over the place. And I would write in the manual, save your wolf trees, because basically they make great wildlife trees. And the foresters are writing in another section, cut down the wolf trees because they take up too much space. Oh. And they're not, they're not good lumber. Now so, the, the early settlers had a use for different trees for different things, right? And so Bob and I were talking about this tree this here, that we're leaning on here. Yeah. And that's an ironwood or hop hornbeam, if you happen to know. It's the hardest tree. I've got an axle that I salvaged when I was an antique dealer for a time, uh, made of this material, as near as I can tell. It's the hardest, strongest wood we have in Nova Scotia. They get bigger than that, but generally they're a small tree. There's, yeah, to, more slender tree. But uh, if, if you were hewers of wood, which many of our ancestors were, and you had to cut down your trees with axe or a cross saw, you drew straws on this one because that's hard to cut. It's a dense wood. Bob and Donna shared many interesting things, and it was actually just so fun to be out in the pouring rain with a bunch of adults, immersed in a sense of wonder and curiosity. I've experienced this fairly often working with groups of kids, but I've never had that experience with adults in the absence of children. We don't usually go out together in the rain, but I think we should. Now back to the West Dalhousie Community Hall. Hi everyone, welcome to day number two of Soup Stock. Thanks. 
Carmen Kerr. I'm your MLA, and I was asked to help MC a little bit this afternoon. I'm happy to be here. I'm soaked. Went on a walk just now. So my name is Carmen Kerr. I'm the MLA for Annapolis, and I'm here at Soofstock. Yeah, uh, the, and uh, the reason I'm here is, um, you know, we've got a great collection of community leaders that are pushing a great cause. There's a campaign that started in March. It's uh, continuing on uh, throughout this month and beyond of protecting our forests, our old growth forests, especially beyond 80 years old. Yeah. And um, can you tell us about um, like what your colleagues in, in government think about this? Is, is there support beyond you, would you say? Hard to say. I mean, I always am careful to tell another person's story. I, I can't say what everyone thinks, but there's certainly my job as the natural resources critic would be to highlight how important it is to protect these, these forests. Um, and I certainly, you know, there's certain MLAs that get it, that have lived near the woods or have had great experiences in the woods. There's certainly colleagues of mine that have never spent a day in the woods. So. Uh, I can't say that everyone's on board, but uh, I'll do as best I can to, to talk about it as much as I can. Yeah, yeah. thank you so much. And yeah. um, so I guess, yes, it's, it's hard for you to give us specifics or, you know, a yes, every, but I guess it's just like from, from the general public who doesn't have, you know, much interaction with government or sees mm -hmm. the internal market workings, like, do you think we have, is this hopeful? Are, are people coming around or it's are things going to... Yeah. yeah, so I would say it's hopeful with me. I'm bought in. Um, I, you know, we've got a government, and I think you just heard me say on stage, they've made a, a commitment and a legal uh, commitment to protecting 20% of our uh, land mass by 2030. And they've also recently, in the last few days, come up with a, or suggested that there's a protected areas strategy that they're now inviting the public to comment on. Uh, I would say an area like this fits in perfectly. So I don't see what the debate would be. Um, and I think as you see government rise to that and do what they say they're going to do, you'll, you'll see more members and more MLAs buy into that. Yeah. I think to your question, um, it's hard to say with the MLA, what's on the mind of other MLAs. Like for most of us, health, we hear about daily. Anything health concern? Here, I would hear their concerns about forestry and the environment daily, as much as I, almost as much as I've heard about health. But I don't know if the other MLAs are hearing the same. Right. right? So that's a reminder to all of us to write our MLAs with our concerns about forestry. Hugely issues. important. Like I, every at least my practice has been, and people, you know, will sometimes come in the office and apologize for whatever they're coming to. I need people to come in and give me the real deal on whatever they're dealing with. So if I get that intel directly from people on the ground, whether it's old growth forest or health or education, there's nothing better than hearing from people you represent. This is what we're dealing with. Mm -hmm. So that would be the, the push for this campaign is um, get as many MLAs, especially on government side, who are making the decisions on all this policy. Uh, and, and you know, the more of the voting public that is in touch with their MLA, the better. The better for any cause, but certainly with this as well. So, yeah. I'm Janet. I'm David. And we're together with the Strange Valentines, and uh, we play a lot of our own music that is got a lot of sort of climate-themed and protest sort of things, and we also play some really old stuff from, like, 
1700s sort of old. <laughs> so that's sort of the two things we do. We tend to have a lot of anxiety about the way the world is going, the climate, the destruction of the natural environment. And uh, somehow we made friends with these forest protectors. And I'm so glad we did because I love what they're doing and we're really excited about what they're doing and we're really happy to support them with some music. Well, we made friends with them, I think, because uh, we wrote a song called Small Tree, which is oh, yeah. which is about um, right up about what we're talking about here, the destruction of the forests. And we, we did that, uh, we did a video for that in the middle of a clear cut uh, with a drone that sort of zoomed up and you see the destruction before your eyes increasing. And I think they liked that and saw we had a drone and they were doing a protest out near Brookfield in the middle of nowhere down a logging track. And uh, they asked us to come and shoot what they were doing. Oh. So we went out and did that. And uh, we also played a small tree for them uh, and supported them that way, and uh, which they, they appreciated, I think. And, and we really enjoyed doing that and being part of it. We 
sank to our knees All the time in the forest Whispered in between the branches All the time went unnoticed The answers for mankind What's gone is gone. Money spent is spent. Desert wasteland for generations Big wheels keep on turning. Beds left burning. So there were two camps, weren't there? We yeah. did, went to one and then we went to a second one uh, where Nina yeah. was. So. Yeah. yeah. It sounded, when Nina told the story too, it sounded like that was a really, well, I guess an act of solidarity and a booster of morale probably for that group yeah. to have well, and they were visiting. And they were out in the middle of nowhere. For a long time. Like, we were there couple of hours but they were but there it was, for it was months. a challenge even for the Subaru we it was like, where for are the we Subaru going? Outback and I guess we you know we, we I used to play rock music my, my whole life and uh, Janet used to play Nova Scotia kitchen music we, we were both scientists microbiologists and had enough of the bureaucracy and politics in that and decided to become full-time musicians you know for the money Yes, uh, but <laughs> but choice. but for not for the money, of course, but to for this sort of thing. I mean, folk music, and we've migrated to folk almost fully. We even when we record, it's it's just uh, us and two instruments. It's very organic, very and organic sort of thing. But folk music is traditionally um, protest, protest based. You know, it's 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 kind of morphed a lot over the last while. But we we really see it as a as a uh, vehicle to get messages like this across and uh, we're really happy to be included in this and And things like this do give hope in times of like you know I'm sitting home at my house in despair worried maybe you're sitting home at your house thinking oh my god but things like this like things events like this make people at least realize that we're all feeling it and maybe we can come up with something together 
and feed from each other's energy and perspectives and come up with some ideas. And that, this has totally filled me with much more hope than I've had for a long time. Me too. (laughs) Oh, good. Yeah. It's so heartwarming to come to something like this where you run into some of the people you might have met before at various protests or events or or wherever and then also realize there's a whole bunch of other people from other places and maybe even from this place that one hasn't yet crossed paths with and then you realize there are a lot of us around that care and are doing various things in our own ways and that certainly gives me hope too yeah this is hopeful too that you're doing this you know you're actually recording it and i think that's really important and you're putting it out there too in another way some more people it's not just the day then it's a re you know you you were you're taking the day forward and people can identify and other people they're sitting home fretting that's right (laughs) can hear this and be like oh there's more people like me yes you fretters at home (laughs) don't fret so much (laughs) or come fret with us together maybe maybe they shouldn't watch our videos (laughs) but don't watch the videos but listen to the podcast After that touching conversation with Janet and Dave from The Strange Valentines, I headed back into the hall. That evening, Bob Bancroft and Donna Crossland were presented with a thank-you gift of two mugs featuring the Blackburian Warbler. These were made by Deb Kuzik, who is a local Annapolis artist known for her pottery and mugs. The Blackburian Warbler is the bird in the Souf logo. They are one of the species that has seen a massive population decline due to forest degradation in the Maritimes. I'll add a link in this episode's show notes to some resources about that. The music on Saturday night was really rockin'. It was really fun to enjoy the festive ambiance with new and old friends. The next morning, I recorded conversations with two more people after enjoying coffee and a delicious breakfast of pastries from the Bee's Knees Bakery with a few other weekend campers, as well as volunteers on teardown duty. First, I met with Rob Bright, who is a spokesperson for the Save Our Old Forests campaign. He was featured on Shared Ground Episode 11 about the start of the Souf launch, and I wanted to check back in with him. My name is Robert Bright, and I'm the Vice President of the Arlington Forest Protection Society. And we're here in the backyard of the West Dalhousie Community Hall. And uh, we just finished up Souf Stock. We had a great, uh, successful uh, first music festival, and the weather didn't quite cooperate with us the way we were hoping, but um, everyone who came had a great time, and we've had lots of positive feedback already. And the bands were fantastic. Uh, it's just been an awesome weekend. Yeah, I think so too. I've been here the whole weekend and uh, yeah, quite a variety of music and yeah, smaller group than I'm sure you would have had. The fact that we had like kind of torrential rains and other rain warning and just lots of rain. And so it was kind yeah. of amazing that people did come out, but uh, yeah. I felt bad for the campers. I mean, it must have been kind of soggy back here. <laughs> <laughs> it was soggy back here, but uh, I think we managed just fine. <laughs> The last time we spoke, Rob, was in the springtime, so several months ago now, and at that point I came up for the Save Our Old Forest launch for Annapolis County, and uh, yeah, and your group seems to have done amazing things since then, and maybe you could give us a quick update as to what has happened between the springtime and now. Wow, there's a lot. It's been a whirlwind. It's just been one thing after another, and 
I think we thought it was going to be a fairly calm, relaxed summer and none of that happened. <laughs> so um, after the campaign, we were blown away by the campaign. We were hoping maybe 60 people would come out and three times that number at least. And there's definitely more than 180 people showed up. Um, I think Bob Bancroft and Donna Crossland from Nature Nova Scotia were a big draw. There's a lot of interest in their environmental work here in the province and they've just been fantastic supporters of the campaign and Arlington Forest and uh, it's just it's I'm sure they drew quite a few people and helped us out that way mm. um, after that uh, I think it was Nina's partner she thought we should do something with the uh, the art center there in Annapolis Royal and uh, wow that was fantastic I we were hoping to get a month-long gallery and have a few artists contribute and throw their support behind the campaign and I think we talked to 40 artists and every single one of them accepted so we had to double the length of the gallery to a two-month show and uh, that just went really well there is huge turnouts and and uh, people were so supportive uh, it was encouraging to draw on different communities not just places that we live but the art community the citizen scientists who showed up and it was a mishmash of both artists and citizen scientists and together they put on an incredible gallery show mm. i guess in the midst of that there were lots of little workshops that went on as well so uh francis anderson who's a lichenologist in the province and has a book out um, she delivered a, a wonderful presentation on lichens and how Nova Scotia is just such a special place, the climate, the the way it's a coastal community. Um, we have some of the best and rarest lichens here and the most, and uh, it's certainly our older forests that in this coastal environment that, that just are so conducive to these amazing little, little critters that are half fungi and half cyanobacteria, and I think some of them are, have uh, something else going on. I'm yeah. not. I'm not a specialist or an expert in lichens. No, but. I'm not either. But I've enjoyed um, <laughs> learning some things from Francis too. And she was in an earlier shared ground episode. But yeah, there's a third component that science is only just starting to understand too, right? So anyway, right. all to say is lichens are yeah really neat things. Very. And one of the many things that are yeah interconnected with all the other species that we understand very little about, which is always yeah. Kind of surprising to, to yeah. hear. <laughs> yeah, we had some great other presentations and like an iNaturalist workshop and how to get people involved and teach them how to use it. And um, there's four or five different workshops that all had to do with um, citizen science. And uh, it was just a fantastic uh, showing that people came out and were clearly very interested in, in getting involved as citizen scientists and right mm -hmm. okay and and through all this you were obviously building awareness for for why and how to protect our older forests in the region um, and also I think you've been building a lot of community in the way and um, giving some people a sense that uh, they're not alone and they're working together with others in a wide variety of ways oh yeah it's been fantastic uh, the music community, the arts community, um, there's some people in the theatre community who are showing some interest in, and uh, there's a youth group in Annapolis Royal that every summer put together a theatre team and we're thinking about maybe working with them next year about putting on some kind of event and play. Um, the Soup Stock Festival was incredible. We had so many volunteers come out, at least 30. There were 30 plus people that just helped with this and there's no way we could have done it without them. And, uh, the show of support was fantastic. It was really 
inspiring and encouraging to know that there's this much interest and this much concern uh, to save what's left of our old forests in this province. Here in Annapolis County, where we started out, we were we had started with Annapolis County. We didn't think we had the the capacity really to take on take the whole province on, but uh, we thought if we made a good showing here in Annapolis um, that other counties would catch on, that we could get some support from other people, and that's exactly what has happened. So Kings County joined on. Uh, the Blomaden Society is, has been just fantastic with taking on a, the brunt of, of that organization work there, mm -hmm. and I believe it's the Chain Lakes in, in Kings County that they're they're looking at as a, a place that they want protected. Okay. Um, Lunenburg County has also caught on. Um, one of our first, for the Arlington Forest Protection Society, after we started the Citizen Science McMaki group, um, George Baranyi near Bridgewater mm -hmm. um, was very concerned, as, as were all of us, um, with what was going on around Lake Monankiak. Um, the Atlantic whitefish is an endangered species here, and the only place in the world that they're known to exist right now. They're sort of a precursor, a prehistoric version of salmon. and. Uh, one of the big forestry groups was going to cut all around that lake there and we just knew that was a bad idea. Um, clear cuts are, are known to disrupt watersheds and, and we were concerned about the whitefish, the Atlantic whitefish. So we suggested, you know, we should go in there and do some bio-blitzing, which uh, or is also called ground truthing, where you go in and explore what's there and look for species at risk and find and document them and load them into iNaturalist. So George took on that burden and Francis Anderson actually helped with that and mm -hmm. I believe they had a crew of something like 13 to 15 volunteers say I'm interested and I want to go out and hunt for these critters as well. Yeah. Uh, and so they did and they found a ton of stuff and they actually got the, the forestry industry to postpone and even cancel that cut so that was fantastic. Uh, mm -hmm. I believe they started through that impetus the Bridgewater Watershed Alliance or Watershed yeah. Protection Alliance. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Bridgewater Watershed Protection Alliance, which is a bit of a mouthful, and um, mm -hmm. they're they're trying to get that a whole area designated as a wilderness area because the forestry company, I guess, for now um, agreed they wouldn't cut, but it's still not officially protected. But okay. it's definitely going in the right direction, I think. Hopefully. Right. Yeah. So we're seeing this sort of pop up here and there, and other counties are now getting involved: Colchester and Cumberland and Pictou mm -hmm. and. Um, we have a contact, uh, Adam Malcolm, up in Cape Breton, and he runs the Nova Scotia Species at Risk uh, Facebook group, and he's just been doing some outstanding work out, up there about bio-blitzing and checking out things and informing people and letting them know what clear-cutting and what forestry is doing to, to uh, much of our environment here and the last of our, our mature forests. and We need to step up our game, and we certainly need to protect what's what's left here given that in 19, I think it's 1958, DNRR, the Department of Natural Resources and Renewables, their own numbers say that we only had 25% of our old mature forests over 80 back then. Mm -hmm. And then by 2003, that number had dropped to one and a half percent, they reported. So here we are 20 years later, it's gotta be less than one and a half percent left now. So we really need to put a hold on any logging and road building in forests that are over 80 years old if we're going to have anything left to save at all. 
Do you have any idea of how many people have already signed that petition for Annapolis County? Oh, wow. <laughs> or a rough number anyway, because you must be about to table that in the Parliament sometime we're, soon, are you? We're very close. I'm thinking we're putting a cutoff date at September 15th, because that's around the time the legislature is going to sit again, and that's when Carmen Kerr, our, pers- our MLA here in Annapolis uh, County, is going to present the petition. And I'm thinking... Uh, I don't have the exact numbers, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it's around 1,500 or over 1,500 signatures so far. Mm. And uh, we're just going to keep going. And, and although we're going to have a reading of the petition, I think we're going to continue collecting more signatures because, frankly, uh, we think DNRR and, and most of the governments who have been in power, all three that have been in power in the last couple of decades, have more or less kowtowed to, to the forestry industry in this province and are not really doing their job when it comes to protecting things that need protection and regulating forestry in a, in a proper way. It doesn't sound like or seem like they're actually making much progress and, and taking this seriously. It sounds just like another empty promise. Although Carmen has been spectacular. Yes, I just met him and had actually got a little interview with him yesterday too. That would a fantastic ally. Um, I'm just going to make a note to whoever's listening that if you can hear that metal clanking noise in the background, it's uh, it's part of the volunteer crew. They're um, just, I don't know what that's actually happening, but they're, they're, they're putting a bunch of, what, what's going on over there? Those were garbage bins that were donated or lent to us by um, the exhibition in Lawrencetown. Oh. And uh, we were worried about what were we were going to do if how many people showed up and we didn't have enough garbage containers and how we were going to keep the place clean so they kindly offered to to, to lend us their garbage cans and oh, wow. that's that's Greg. From the beginning of the campaign launch he and Crystal were just Johnny and Jane on the spot and anything that needed doing just right on it and it was mm-hmm. it was so good he's they've both been so helpful and so supportive and and just jumped right on board with us when they saw what we were doing. Crystal has been, she kindly came on as our volunteer coordinator to help run run the soup stock volunteer team mm-hmm. and has done just a fantastic job. Uh-huh. So you mentioned some of the protected areas that are being um, proposed by citizen groups um, as part of the soup in other places, but... Um, I know here you're trying to protect the Goldsmith Lake area, and we went on a a, a beautiful rainy walk yesterday. We'd gone in there to do some bio-blitzing because we knew there was plans to to go in and harvest a a huge chunk of it. I think it's over 450 acres. And uh, as we were walking on this old, old logging road, and most of it was growing over, we came to this sort of spot where you could see through the trees this huge opening that clearly shouldn't have been there. Um, and so we went and investigated that, uh, the crew of our citizen scientists who were out that day, and uh, we we found this incredibly alarming, disturbing, depressing um, new logging road that they'd put in. You know, it was two kilometers long, it was 100 feet wide, and it was just, uh, I can't remember how many hectares that represented, I think it was six or eight hectares in total. Uh, it was devastating. Um, later, we found all kinds of species at risk it, right around that road that were violating the 100-meter buffer. And mm. this is another example of DNRR just not having the resources to do the job they're supposed to be doing. Um, and it was it was really depressing. We were we were we were all kind of dumbstruck with what we found there and the mess of trees at the sides of this massive road. And uh, while we were there, we saw and heard Canada warblers and 
other birds that clearly this logging road had disrupted and should we just hold off yeah, until? Yeah, that would be great. Okay. Thank you. So you maybe on? in the future I need to um, bring like an insulated sound booth with me. That would be like my future. <laughs> That'll take a little fundraising. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, Goldsmith Lake is a real jewel in Annapolis County. It's an undeveloped lake, so there's no cottages around. There's no roads going into it. Um, Nina had taken a, a couple of, of people out to kayak across the lake and it's a funny shaped lake it's like a giant u l shaped thing with this sort of peninsula jutting into the center of it and she found this peninsula full of these amazing old trees and and uh it would just be devastating to to see anything cut around that lake um, that's going to disrupt the continuity of the forest there um, there's so little old and mature forests left in nova scotia and the continuity has been just disrupted phenomenally in terms of having any wildlife corridors through animals and could move around comfortably in their own habitat. Most of the forests in Nova Scotia, as I said, you know, there's probably less than one and a half percent of mature forests left. Mm -hmm. um, that means there's no canopies high enough for those types of birds or, or critters that exist that high in, a, in, a, in an old forest. Um, those, those animals are gone. <laughs> those species are gone. So Goldsmith Lake represents one of the last havens uh, in, in both Annapolis County and probably in Nova Scotia where if we don't protect this area, we're going to just lose the rest of these species because they need that type of habitat to survive. When we went on the walk yesterday, we, um, we didn't kayak first for a long time. Or where, where did we end up then? Kind of on the edge of the, of, the of the proposed area? Well, that was sort of to one side of the proposed wilderness area, um, the Corbett-Dalhousie Lake. And that was where, I guess it's almost four, four, four and a half years ago now, probably. That was one of the first camps that we set up to disrupt and say, you can't log here. It's too important a place to log. You cannot take these trees. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I guess that was really the beginning of this this long process of where we are now. Oh, that's a neat kind of full circle. Yeah. So, so that forest you did manage to protect that part of the forest. Uh, we or did you that stopped, year. You stopped it from being cut then. Um, but I should also mention Bev Wigney, who runs the Annapolis Environment and Ecology Facebook group here. She has just been on the ball and screaming at the top of her lungs to people and trying to get people involved for oh it's got to be almost 10 years i'm sure maybe longer i know that she's been at her wits end and just thoroughly disgusted with mm -hmm. with with uh so she's been a, she's been a loud voice she has been a really loud voice and she's the first person who introduced me to bio blitzing and citizen science and ground truthing and giving me the lowdown on why we need to do this work and why this work is so important and uh she's she's just been a, a major leader as far as ecology and environmental protection in this county for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, so mm -hmm. she gave us a forest walk at Corbett Dalhousie, her and uh, Randy Fredericks, her partner in bioblitzing, and both of them were just so knowledgeable. Randy had this background in mapping and GIS uh, specialist, and, mm -hmm. and um, Bev is just an incredible environmentalist in ecology with decades of experience and as her photographs have been published in wildlife magazines all over the place and so it was awesome to have someone with her expertise and knowledge explain it to us and give us the lowdown of what's going on here and what needs to stop and mm. how important it really is right i know when i've talked to you rob 
you have a real interest in two-eyed seeing and indigenous knowledge and um, trying to spread respect for the land that we're on and also the people whose land this is and I'm wondering what kind of Mi'kmaq involvement you've had in this um, in this initiative or these events or what you hope for in the future yeah well Darlene Gilbert uh, one of the Mi'kmaq grandmothers who is well known and very active in, in the area in this province in general and part of Treaty Truck House and, and uh, some other very important uh, initiatives dealing with Alton Gas and, and other industries I guess would be industry players um, she gave the land acknowledgement and gave a little talk at the Save Our Old Forest campaign launch and she confronted us right away said, you know, where are, the, where are the knowledge keepers that need to be here and she made a very good point and she didn't mince words she, was, she confronted us and, and we needed to hear it but the other side of the coin was that we have been trying really hard to connect with Indigenous people. And part of it, a lot of it, is our own ignorance. Um, we don't know what we don't know. And a lot of what we don't know about Indigenous people is the struggles that they've been through generationally for the last maybe 400 years. Um, so the distrust is there and we deserve to be distrusted and the anger is there and they have every right to be angry and we deserve that anger. We have done nothing to earn their respect or, or friendship. We've, we've done so little to live up to our peace and friendship treaty agreements. Um, as far as the peace and friendship part, we've blown it, <laughs> you know, and they have every right to be distrustful and angry with the situation and the generations of trauma that we've caused and let's face it as settlers we've colonialized this place and we've caused so much damage and if we're not even willing to acknowledge that how do we expect to start any kind of reparations any kind of reconciliation or repairing that relationship so i think as settlers we need to acknowledge the harms done and why it's going why it's a difficult road to get back to be on good terms and living up to those treaty obligations. Um, another woman came to the Last Hope camp that we had set up a couple of years back and she was running a course on settler education because it's not the Indigenous people's responsibility to teach us how to follow our own treaties. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not up to them, especially after 400 years of neglect and abuse on from us. Uh, it, it's really not their responsibility to tell us what we're doing wrong and show us how to do it right. It's our responsibility to teach ourselves and learn and figure this out and make things right. Um, but we're trying and we're, we're sort of stumbling and bumbling along and we need Indigenous people to be partners. We need Indigenous people to work with us and we need to be working with them and forging those relationships, making them happen. Uh, is is not going to be easy. It's not easy now. It's not going to be easy in the future. But somehow we have to take those steps and and make them work. And that's the direction we need to go into mending our relationship. Our relationship with Indigenous people in this country in this province is broken, and it needs to be repaired. And I just I don't know how to do it, <laughs> and I want to do it so badly. And and uh, it has to happen somehow. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. 
appreciate the way you said that and your humbleness and your good intentions and recognition that we need to learn more and try harder. Um, yeah. Well, maybe we will wrap up for today. I know you're exhausted and I hope you folks can all get some rest after all the amazing efforts you've put in and, and achievements you've, you've made too, as far as awareness and, um, yeah, helping people feel connected and hopeful and giving them like a bit of a path on what they can do to contribute and um, being open to all sorts of ways people can can contribute. Um, I know it's been an inspiration to lots of people that care and I think really everybody cares about these things. So it's just a matter of more and more people hearing about it and um, finding out how they might be um, involved in one in, in a smaller, big way, however, however people want to... Um, come in right well thank you very much for all the attention and then helping us uh raise awareness with with this campaign and you know we have till 2030 so this soup stock is going to be the first and we'll be here for the next seven years to hold these uh these this government to account and make sure that they follow through on what they promised and le put in legal and legislated and saying this is what we committed ourselves to and there could be at least another seven soup stocks as far as we know and we're definitely planning ahead for next year and this year was a great first initial uh, um, foray into that uh, the music community and the, the support that we've we've seen from all the musicians who, that were involved uh, has just been spectacular. So stay tuned to Sue Stock Two in 2024, and hopefully we'll get a lot more people out next year and and uh, just continue raising the awareness that's needed to protect these amazing places in our province. Our last interview is with Crystal Vino the coordinator of all the Soofstock volunteers, who Rob just mentioned. What is something that you really love about what has come from this, or the, the, the people that have come together around this cause? Well, I think for me, and this came out of conversation with Deb, is that for her, it was she could make mugs. She could create this art that was a way that she could contribute. And for me, I can help organize a festival. That's how I can contribute. So it's, it's, it's like these everyone coming together, regardless of what your skill is, or you know, everyone can have a piece and feel like they're doing something because there's otherwise it feels. It's, it's a little you feel helpless sometimes. Like what can I do in this enormous situation, where? It feels so devastating. But I was just on my drive thinking about, you know, this, how it's easy to feel separate, separate from nature and separate from, from a way to help or a way to become involved. Like, so I think Souf kind of once it gets rolling and I feel like that's starting to happen like there's a momentum I kind of feel that's starting with this and and I think it's because it's bringing together everyone so regardless like you know from the folks in the kitchen that prepared the food to people that donated things so it's all the little ways that you can um, kind of stand up and say something has to change and so for me getting involved was because I have a little bit of background with um, I've never been a volunteer coordinator before that was new but I've done 
festivals, smaller festivals and organizations for causes, for, for, for things that I could feel important. So I, I was able to say, yeah, this is it. This is where I get to do something that I can do. I can feel like I'm making a difference. Right. Yeah, because just before we pressed record, you were saying when um, when some folks were camping out and protecting specific p- parts of the, the forest, you were not one of the people that was able to go out and camp in the winter. And maybe you felt some um, regret about that or something at the time, but you have, but then you realized you have all these other things to offer and everyone can offer the, so many different important contributions to the greater picture. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And because I'm not a winter camper even though I wanted to, because I wanted to help. Yes. It's like, how, what, how can I get involved here? And so I think Souf allows that. It opens a door for people, you know, the m- musicians that showed up mm-hmm. to play at no cost. That was their way of contributing and donating to the festival. And so I think that just keeps trickling in. And that's what I feel like as humans, we... We want to do that. You know, I I don't think if you ask anyone, do you want that big giant hemlock to be cut down? They're probably going to say no. Mm -hmm. But what do I do about it? How do I how do I make a change? How do I help? So I think that's the cool thing about Souf. It's bringing together anything that you're it's art of any form together with standing up for what's right yeah because the initiative started like the organizational um kind of piece got going so so that part is already you know it's not like you have to figure out how do I start something to save the forest you can join in and contribute to this at this point in so many different ways which might have nothing to do with any kind of like traditional activism or political anything it, it's you can contribute in, in all these like whatever your own skills or passion or interests or enthusiasm is you can come in exactly also related to that I think it's so easy in our modern times or in our, our culture our culture maybe like the mainstream kind of culture to think of notice what we don't do well and to feel like mm. oh like like it even happened to me this weekend um well I mean partially I just admire her so much but I was watching Nina just do off the cuff kind of intro on stage with a mic saying something and I was like oh she's such a good public speaker I wish I was a public if I was a public speaker I could do so much blah blah in my mind you know but if you look at it in a bigger picture like in an almost ecosystems thinking right like well she's really good at that and I don't need to be, and I'm doing this other thing. And like, we're all contributing something that's important. And instead of each noticing all the things that we can't do and be like, oh, well, what can yes. we bring? And especially if there's a gap there, especially if the thing that you're doing, we need more of, or maybe isn't represented at all, then that's what we need. We don't necessarily need another winter camper right now or another public speaker right now. That's so beautifully put. And it, it kind of brings our conversation full circle because we started talking about being separate from nature so we do it even as humans right like separate ourselves because thinking that you know somehow we're less than or you know all all the all the different words we put because someone else is shining and so we draw back and pull away and don't get involved and and so this separate this idea of separateness it's it's really been on my mind since my drive here this morning and and thinking about my dad and how 
he just didn't consider himself separate from nature. Can you just say a little bit about your dad, please? Yeah. I might cry, though. Okay, do you mind? <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, he worked in the woods my whole life, and he cut our wood for our home, and uh, he sold wood that he cut, like, and he'd be off into the woods for the day with his chainsaw, and then he left school at a very young age and uh, was worked in logging camps, which I don't know a lot of the stories mm -hmm. of what that was like. I don't think it was an easy life. They worked really hard, really long days, and he was, you know, early teens. And, and so it, it wow. was part of, of his life forever. He still respected and gave thanks to the trees. And I think that's, that's what he taught me. And now that's, that's the desperation I think I feel because there's so, it's so disrespectful what's happening. And um, yeah, he just taught us that even as we were walking through the woods to, uh, oh, look at that beautiful tree. That's your, you know, you're on the right path to the fishing hole or whatever, you know, like that's the beaver hole. Don't step there. You know, there was just, just this respect and um, kind of sacredness about the experience of being in the woods, being in the forest. So I, I, if we, I think if we can find a way to have people get involved in any way that they have the skill to do, mm -hmm. if we find a way for them to get in and feel to be part of it, that they'll be ready to join hands to make change and feel part of it. Mm -hmm. Part of our human community and then yeah, part, by part, part of the, the greater community with other species. Yeah. I'd like to take you back to the mic at Soofstock one last time for a few moments with Nina Newington for an important announcement. So the other thing I want to say, which isn't Soof, is there's a global climate strike on Friday, September 15th. It's going to be in Halifax, 12.30 at Grand Parade. We need everybody to go. I know that people like more local action, but numbers matter. In 2019, those school kids had 10,000 people on the street. Do we really feel like we should have less than that now with what we know? So please, just carpool, get it together, get out on the street, ask your friends. I said a long time ago to my friends, if there comes a time when I ask you to do something and really say to you, we need you to do this, will you do it? And they said, yeah. I think we're at that time. I think we need people out on the street on September 15th to say, no, we need action to cut fossil fuels, not promises, not pretty words, not, oh, we're going to drill some more, right? And it's the same with the forests. We need the forests standing. They're worth our lives. They're worth the life of the planet to keep standing. They're not something we should cut down and worry about later. So we need to get up and get in the way and start shouting loud. So be on the email list. We'll be contacting you. We're all working on what can we do to make a difference. So when you have an idea, send it back our way too. Let's all work together because we're in trouble. But together, there is real strength, and there's also real joy. Like, I can't even tell you how many great experiences I've had 
in adverse circumstances on Logan Roads. <laughs> you know, and it's a cappella songs. It's somebody bringing a fabulous meal. It's waking up in the morning at dawn at last hope and hearing a hermit thrush singing while you make coffee. Like, this isn't pain and sacrifice. This is a relief to do what makes a difference because we're all suffering from what it costs to live in a planet that our secular civilization is destroying. That's, that's a terrible burden to carry, and the only thing I know that helps with it is to work together and do something. So, let's do it together. Thanks. So many people are giving their care and offering their skills to our forests in various ways. During this glimpse into Soofstock 2023, you heard from just a small number of them. Hopefully, you feel some camaraderie and inspiration as you continue to contribute what you can to all that you care about. Nina mentioned getting on the email list, and you can do that by writing soof at arlingtonforestprotection.ca. Several of the people you heard from in this episode have been featured in previous Shared Ground episodes, so you may like to see what's there at www.sharedground.ca. And before I give you a whole bunch more websites and details, don't forget, I'll leave these details along with other resources in the show notes, wherever you found this episode. From one of the SOOF organizers and founders of Arlington Forest Protection Society, I have a note to read on how you can help to save our old forests. Petitions. Talk to family, neighbors, friends, and co-workers and get them to sign and collect signatures. We have petitions circulating in Annapolis, Cumberland, Colchester, Pictou, Lunenburg, and Kings Counties. Don't have a petition in your county? Reach out to us, soof at arlingtonforestprotection.ca, and we can help you get one started. Business and nonprofit logos. Let us use your business or nonprofit logo on our website as a supporter and friend of SOOF. We have 80 logos and would love to add yours to the website. There is power in numbers and every show of support counts. Please send the logo to SOOF at arlingtonforestprotection.ca. Donations. Funds raised through donations will be used to cover expenses for the campaign, such as cost for print advertising and venue rentals. For some wonderful photos of the event, take a look at the Arlington Forest Protection Society's Soofstock page. Together, we can save our old forests. Thank you for listening to Shared Ground. Until next time, fellow humans.